0: not my friends become addicted to water, it will take hold of you and you
1: will resent its absence. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I am the Scales of Justice, Conductor of the Choir of Death. Sing, Brother Hickler. Sing, Brother Cox. Sing, brothers. Sing. Sing! My name is Shahir Dowd.
0: And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the 400th episode, in fact, Revisiting, Driving Back Down... Mad Max Fury Road.
1: Hey, congrats. You know, like someone, point, one of our listeners pointed out the, this out to us today. This is a big deal. 400 episodes. There's it's a big a, deal.
0: There's a lot of big deal right now. And I will say, I don't normally get um, uh, butterflies uh, no, before doing, Before oh, <laughs> every time we talk, I get this feeling. And every time uh, we speak, I swear I'm alive. No, the, the, yeah. the. This actually does, I think, mean more to me than I thought it did, because like when we started, oh, by the way, side note for everybody not listening live, we're doing a live show right now. Uh, Shaheer, we're live on Twitch right now. We have people here listening to us while we record, which in 400 episodes, we have never done outside of a guest in the studio.
1: That's right. That's right. And can can I, can I just share with you just like a little, some fun stats, just one fun stat that since our first episode, it has been seven years, five months and 14 days since we released that first episode. Um, and we've been releasing them almost weekly for at least four of those years, four or five of those years, maybe six of those years. Right.
0: Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm bad at math. Um, yeah, no. It's it's incredibly odd how how <laughs> how much cinema has changed. How much we have changed, or maybe not. Uh, where our proclivities lie, all all over this thing. Actually, the the I, 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 went, I went I went back. to here. I listened to okay. the okay. first episode, and oh wow, yeah. Uh, which is again on Mad Max: Fury Road, and if, I was expecting. To hate it, I hadn't listened to it much <laughs> since we did the re, uh, redo of all of our music. Because back in the day, everyone, yeah. when we just did this yeah. as a hobby and not we a hobby, smart. we did for four hundred episodes. Uh, we we just took songs that we thought would match the films we were talking about, and what did, just what put did we do the, for
1: that for Mad Max? We just, just used the score actually. We just used the score. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough.
0: So, um, uh, I listened to it again, and. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. The audio quality seemed good. Uh the points seemed solid. It's it's it made sense as a focal point and an entry point for us to want to do this for seven plus years.
1: <laughs> uh and like uh we have to go back just a little bit in time, which was that I think I feel like it was me who kind of said to you, well, at, at that point, you had a podcast or you had a, a st- weekly streaming show called Same Night Movie Review, right? Where I'd, I'd been on it a couple of times. Yep. You and I had met at MTV. We were, uh, I think, colloquially intro- introduced to each other as um, the movie guys, right? Like, I, I think it was uh, Gabriel Gordillo says, oh, you'd like this guy, Matt. He's a movie guy just like you. And I remember us meeting that way. Yeah, that was through and the old MTV crew. Yeah, and then you uh, invited me to be on your podcast. Uh, I think once or twice, or your or your uh, streaming show. Yeah, and I was like, big mistake, buddy, big mistake, um, because I basically <laughs> never left. And then uh, I feel like uh, a couple of years later, we came in and uh, we. I had just watched Mad Max Fury Road. You had just watched Mad Max Fury Road, and we were like, and I, I think I, I, I feel like I said to you. Would you be interested in doing a podcast about it? Because we done. You've done your streaming show, but not a, like an actual. Let's put a podcast out on the on the on the RSS feed. Sure. And we went to the movies. We went back to your. We went to the movies at Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Square. Is that right? Lincoln Center in, uh, Lincoln Center, in New York. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. And then we took the train all the way back to your apartment in Cobble Hill, uh, which is I think is a good forty minutes
0: uh, of Longer a train ride. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then we just recorded – you had all the equipment set up. We recorded the episode immediately. We, I, I feel like we edited it very, very lightly. While we were doing it, I I uh, created a Gmail for it, account for it, which is still our Gmail account. I created a Twitter handle for it, which is still our Twitter handle. I created – uh, no, you created the Instagram later. And then we just literally – you exported it and we just posted it. It was like – it was one and done that night. Right. And, and it wasn't called the only podcast about movies. The only reason this show
0: is called this is because <laughs> we made a joke because everyone we know this. Had everybody a podcast. has a everyone podcast. In New York has
1: a podcast. Every, yeah.
0: Everybody everywhere has a podcast. <laughs> you know, in the olden days, everyone had a podcast here. Um, no, mm-hmm. the uh, and we made the joke like, oh, this is, of course, the only podcast you'd ever listen to about Mad Max Fury Road. There's absolutely none others. Uh, yeah. Though, though Pitch Perfect, we said had like over ten thousand podcasts
1: about it, I believe <laughs> right, on the right, episode. That's right. Uh, and well, that's then actually, I, I have to Google what were the big movies in two thousand fifteen. And the
0: then, way. and then we, this is it. Like we, we, we are now uh, the only podcast about movies. And and if you. Uh, dear watchers or listeners or live streamers etc uh know of another movie podcast well then congratulations on being a uh metaverse spanning uh individual and have somehow broken down dimensional barriers to make that happen uh, it is absolutely <laughs> phenomenal um yeah so so I don't know i I was um I was getting I was getting sort of um a, a bit nostalgic about how how and why we do these things. Sheer and I have talked a lot in the past because this has honestly been like, we've never, this is not a thing that we've ever done as a job. It's although it takes, I, we figured it out. And I think between each of us with watching the movie and sort of the work that goes in on the back end, we do roughly about like four to five hours of work on this show a week. And sure. it's, it's um that's almost like, you know, one business day, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, and they were like, why do we do it?
1: <laughs> uh, that's, this is the eternal question of like why, because, because right now, uh, let me just point out that t- today is actually, or uh, well, tomorrow morning will be my son's birthday. And so ah. my son was born, um, on the, um, on the basically a few months after we released our first episode. And so we've been doing, I've been doing this podcast as long as my son has been alive. Yeah. And, 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 and there is that question. It was like, what am I doing? What are we doing here? Why are we, why are we doing this? But I think over time we realized, A, we have an audience, B, we like doing it and C, it kind of, I think for you, between you and me, it gives us something to anchor ourselves, our friendship around, right? Like it kind of, it kind of it's it's the thing we do you're my podcast guy i'm your podcast guy right
0: yeah i mean the interesting yeah. thing is i also
1: look after your cat from time to time yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm your oh cat zoe cat is well. uh yeah. one yeah. of the a
0: number one uh <laughs> zoe is one of the a number one shahir watchers everybody uh you, you, you know you say you come over to take care of her she's really taking care of you um yeah she is the no it's very very cool and i i, I something i've talked to uh will about a bunch on this on on the twitch channel on the extra credits twitch channel which is streaming right now um uh is sort of like the idea of activities that you love doing that do keep people in your life. Uh Shahir and I are right. both busy as all of us are. Uh Shahir lives a block from me and we barely see <laughs> each other and this is what we do. This is this is our friendship. This is our this is our love language chat.
1: This is uh, a love language, yeah.
0: So so uh this has just been an absolute uh blast. And uh, and also you're seeing in the chat, everybody, uh some of our some of our longtime r- ride or die folks are here. Uh Jonathan Blade, terse Man, a bunch of others.
1: Uh Jacob <laughs> is in here. Uh Jacob, I may have used your real name. Oh, Jacob about that. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> um the um yeah, so this is just very nice. Uh do we want to kick things off? With the emails, or is that going to
1: make us cry before, before we are witnessed? I've said this before on the podcast, and I do actually mean this so it's not uh, uh, something that's very difficult for me to repeat, uh, is that um, our listeners are really smart. Our listeners are really uh, passionate about what they talk about. They're really passionate about movies, and that's why we're here. That's why we're here every week and we talk about it. And, you know, they change my opinions uh, on movies all the time. They write in really thoughtful questions. They introduce us. Uh, I'm looking at Hexelspace, Space, who's in the chat room right now, two movies that I've never heard of before. Uh, Some of our listeners have their own YouTube channels and podcasts of their own, and they're brilliant. I listen to them. Uh, Jonathan Blade, who's in here, has a great podcast called My Handle is Jonathan Blade, which I listen to every week or whenever he whenever he graces us with an episode <laughs> um so i am uh I, so as much as this is our 400th episode and i'm glad that we have made it to 400 and we'll continue going for uh, as much as possible uh, i am also here because we're very grateful to the people who listen in and, and write us emails as the following people have done today or over the last few days um so I'll kick one off with uh, an email from Hassan, who says, congrats on reaching 400 episodes and still being the only movie podcast in the biz. I've been thinking about what movie you could review on your 400th episode. Sorry, Hassan, we kind of um, uh, <laughs> ran, with, ran with our own suggestion there. And might I suggest Samurai Cop, one of the most <laughs> legendarily bad movies of all time. I think it would be a really fun episode. Uh, thank you, Hassan, for that email. Hassan's been emailing us for the last couple of weeks as well. I really, really enjoy those emails. Uh, Samurai Cop. Uh, you know, I, as we've discussed on this podcast, you are uh, the uh, celebrator, the advocate for the movies that are excellent challenge, so to speak. Uh, Wait, you what, did you what did you call it? What did you call it? excellence challenged excellence that, that, that's a, that's a challenged. phrase that you came up with on the last uh on one I'm of our just, last episodes. i'm
0: just double checking i have <laughs> seen samurai cop uh oh how is it uh, uh, uh it sure is a cop that's kind of a samurai uh <laughs> i do i do uh oftentimes appreciate I, there's like there's what there's a sequel i have to look it up now
1: samurai uh, cop 2 it, well, yes company? it's
0: samurai cop 2 but it's samurai cop <laughs> the samurai Uh, no it's like vengeance story or uh, deadly vengeance Mm -hmm. samurai cop 2 deadly vengeance Uh, that's my jam that would have been a fun one to do uh but we're gonna do the next best thing and do mad (laughs) max fury road instead you want to take the next email i will this is from kellen Says, hey, guys, just want to say happy 400th episode. Can't wait to see uh, what you decide to watch. Again, these came in before we had decided. In the last episode, Matt asked where we found the podcast or followed it from. Uh, I first came across it when Matt plugged it at the end of an extra credits episode in 2021. Side note. Awesome. I didn't know if anyone (laughs) came from that. Uh, Back to the email. Uh, I follow the podcast on the Facebook page now, and both of you on Instagram. I have abandoned Twitter before finding the podcast, so no tweets. It'd be really cool if there was an official Topam Insta page. Hint, hint. There is one, isn't there? Yeah, there is one. Yeah. Yeah. It, there is one. Yeah. I just I post the things to my
1: thing too. So Kellen, there's there's some information for you. We and, Kellen, we'll respond to you with the uh, Insta. We're not the uh, we're not particularly social, and we just kind of post the covers yeah, there, the right? Yeah, uh, the thing, like but, like what it we is, just yeah. had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Kellen, for writing in. That's lovely. Thank you. Uh, This is from Zach. Uh, I've just dubbed this one, a.k.a. Poochie, because I know who Zach is, and he is a big Simpsons fan. Uh, Congratulations on tonight's milestone episode. Very much looking forward to it. And here's to another 400,000 more. Uh, Per Matt's call in the mini bonus episode, I would love a discussion at some point about a specific film that inspired each of you that made you movie lovers. What movie? Where did you originally see it? And what about that movie spoke to you, which opened up the world of cinema to each of you? I have to go now. My planet need me. Needs me. That is, of course, a Simpsons reference. Uh, the best, Zach. Thank you very much, Matt. Do you want? To, do you, I I. Sorry, I prompted that on you on the last second. No, but I mean, uh, I, but I, I know the answer to yours. Yeah, I know the answer to it's, yours. It's basically. It's. I've said
0: this to everyone who will listen. Yeah. It's. It's uh, Escape from New York. Escape from New York. Uh, Escape from New York was the film that I realized <laughs> that because um, I was young enough, I was just. It was. It was the film that instructed me somehow. I was like, wait, this isn't just a thing that exists for me to watch. People made this and it it inspired me to be like, well, I can make stuff like, like, and so that was sort of the magic key point uh, for, for what inspired me to want to do stuff in media. What about
1: you, Shaheer? Tourist Man is doing so great in the chat room right now, by the way. He spotted, he knew you yeah. right away. yeah, And he did spot one of mine that is definitely in the Pantheon, which is Rushmore. Um, but for me, I was a little bit younger, Tourist Man. Uh, I, I'm a little bit older than probably most of you. Uh, the movie I recall seeing um, when I was a kid that made a real big impact on me was did was Peter Weir's film, Dead Poet Society. Ah. Uh, I was very young when I saw that. And what I remember about that movie is it made me cry. And that was a big deal because I didn't realize I could be moved by a movie like that. And that movie really affected me deeply. As I got older, um, I think there was a couple of movies. I I know uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, which is not technically a movie, but a series of music videos accompanied by a really strange story with Joe Pishy as a heroin dealer selling heroin to kids that Michael Jackson saves. Probably very problematic today, uh, given what we may know about Michael Jackson. Uh, But uh, Michael Jackson turns into a robot in that and right. a spaceship and right. a high speed car. Uh, if you have not seen it, uh, I would highly recommend checking it out. I think you can see it uh, probably pieces of it online. And then um, I know I definitely went and saw Terminator two at the theaters. And uh, that was a big deal for me. I, I, I I've said this before. I think Peter Jackson was in the same screening that I was. I was of course, 15 years old. He was a little bit older, um, but. Uh, uh, and you yeah, became best friends. And yeah,
0: there we go. (laughs) You'll have to, uh, I'm curious what he thinks of the Lord of the Rings series. You'll have to ask your best. Peter Jackson? Yeah, ask you Peter Jackson. My
1: BFF, what do you think of the Lord of the Rings series? Uh, actually, right. a friend of mine is in that as well, by the way. If anyone if has been uh, watching the Lord of the Rings series, uh, the That's actor who plays, right. Ar- who plays Aaron Dura is Ismael Cruz Cordova, uh, who has acted in a film for me. He doesn't return my emails anymore because he's too big, but, <laughs> but I love him. Um, but I love him, and he's got a huge part in that. When he walked in the room and uh, I was casting for my short film, uh, there was this thing where we were just like, that guy's a movie star. And if you watch uh, the Lord of the Rings shows, he's the movie star. Yeah. Nice.
0: Uh, All right. Moving right along. uh, Jose writes in and says, congratulations on this journey and major milestone. And thanks for the hundreds of hours. Dear God, it's hundreds of hours of great talks. Not (laughs) sure about other multiverses, but you're the only podcast about movies as far as I'm concerned. Personal favorite moment. Matt singing as King Charles the Third. That was from uh, our, our nice. Hamilton episode. Thank you very much. Nice. Most overrated yeah. movie of all time, Paddington. What? Had to say what? it. What? You know what? what? He's right. What? Because Paddington Two is better. Um. Oh, but wow. back to it. Keep it up. P.S. Uh. Uh. Oh. The move. The that, that's cool. We got. We got a uh, go, coming local to our to our neck of the woods. Here. So. Uh, I know. Should we do a meetup? Should we do a only podcast? Uh, yeah. Some it, it'll point? be three of us. It'll be. It'll three be the of three, of three of us. Of us. <laughs> Thank you so much, um, uh, Jose for writing us in
1: um uh, all right i got uh This is the last yeah, written one yeah this is the last written one that we have a video email which uh i don't think we'll be able to hear but it'll hopefully play jacob writes uh i am far too busy to be writing this email but i couldn't not write it your podcast your podcast, what is it? Did I suddenly turn into Boston? I your podcast has brought pad. so much joy over the years. Padcast. And I am so, so very excited to tune into the live stream later today. I've always loved watching movies and it's kind of strange to phrase it this way, but your discussions have helped me develop the skill of loving. Oh, that's beautiful. I actually really like that. To keep the uh, semantic juggling going uh, is a much so skill. Thank you, Only Movie Podcast. And here's a rephrase. You have helped me love more that which I have already loved thank you thank you thank you thank you here's to four thousand more thank you very much jake that's thank you very, Jacob. very sweet email. that's very sweet uh and then the
0: last the last thing of 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 you all you lovely people who we asked to email us <laughs> and say nice <laughs> things although we didn't ask to say nice things we actually said specifically in that little mini-sode that we did that you could make fun of us and so far uh, nobody's made fun uh well i'm is, sure uh, the channel happens. disappointing we have <laughs> we have one more someone sent a video in <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
0: so uh this is friend of the show steven Uh, take it away?
1: Hi guys, I'm just in the middle of the edit from hell, so I don't know if I'll be able to make your Twitch stream live. Um, I will catch up with it later. Congratulations on 400 episodes. That's really something. It is really something. So, um, I just want to say I'm looking forward to the next 400. By that time, I might have forgiven Matt for not liking Spotlight and liking the post. Something very wrong with that boy. Congrats. Well done. Have a great day.
0: Okay, I stand. I stand <laughs> by it. I stand by it, Stephen. Wait, so
1: you pre- you still prefer the post to Spotlight? Yeah, the 2015 Best Picture winner, uh, the post. we all know we all know
0: Best Picture winner <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean that it's a great film. A lot of them are. <laughs> I, I I don't like spot like I I we've talked about this in the show. This has been a theme of the show. I very rarely like stories about, about. writers writing stories. It it uh-huh. it feels masturbatory
1: and a it's just not fun. And I oh don't, don't like spotlight. Could I could I suggest one potential that we could agree on that you might actually like? Sure, stand by me. It's a movie about a writer writing a story.
0: I guess, but like, it's not like the job of writing the story is at the focal point.
1: Like, I think <laughs> well, it is. It's about him writing. He talks about being it? a writer. He writes in stories minute. in that, and then the the entire film is about him writing about his best friend.
0: I Steve guess King, I get it, but like, even, even, and I know that movie's great. Even hearing that description of it
1: makes me not want to watch it <laughs> <laughs> because yes, because the, the, the actual description of it is four friends, uh, go on a quest to find a body. Right. Yeah. 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 Grass, is actually, actually a, yeah, yeah.
0: Grass actually brings up a very good point right now. It feels too much like self insert
1: fanfic. <laughs> uh, yes, it's definitely like I, what was the show? Californication. Yeah. Uh, with David Duchovny. Mm-hmm. And I, I would watch that with that same sort of thought about like self insert uh, fan fiction, where it was like David, in one episode, I felt like he slipped with three women, like three random women. And, okay. and he's a writer, he's a screenwriter as well. It was like, this feels, you know, like a, like a wish fulfillment of, yeah. some, of some sort. Uh, uh, uh,
0: we got a question in chat uh, Drunk Kraken asks, is Spotlight worth watching?
1: I even though. No, no, it take is. It? it
0: is worth watching. <laughs> I think is a, is a well enough crafted film, but <laughs> the thing about it for me, and then I'll let you hear of the final word. There's the last thing I'm going to say about spotlight. Maybe for the rest <laughs> of this episode, it yeah. is one of the films that is the epitome of enjoying the smell of your own farts. That oh, is my, wow. that is my, no.
1: that is my review right now.
0: Mm. No, so t- no. t- t-
1: tell me, tell me all the ways I'm wrong. Spotlight is the 2015 Best Picture nominee, uh, probably controversially winning over Mad Max Fury Road, the movie we're about to discuss tonight. Um, but I think it is an excellent excellent film about the uh process of investigative journalism and the difficulties of investigative journalism uh made by tom mccarthy uh who was an actor in one of the best television shows about investigative journalism that was the wire season five uh where he played an investigative journalist uh who um uh, fudges the truth so to speak uh spotlight in in many ways i can see why matt doesn't like it because it is almost antithetical to the things that we enjoy about cinema in terms of construction and creating a construct put that on but the it box. is also deeply rigorous and thoughtful and and really invested in process and if there, if you haven't been listening to the podcast in a long time uh, one thing that I'm particularly attracted to in terms of watching movies is absorbing stories about people who um, uh, who are good at their jobs. And who take their job seriously. That 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 actually really matters to me. All and right. uh, I really love seeing movies like that. So yes, Spotlight is worth your time. But maybe something that's a little bit worth more of your time uh, is the movie we're going to talk about tonight, which was the first movie we ever talked about on this show. What is it, Matt?
0: I believe it is uh, a Mad Max um, uh, f- f- Fur- Furry Road. Is that what it is? Uh, <laughs> Mad Furry Max Road. Furry Road. <laughs> yeah. Uh, different film. IMDb. For all of you who, uh, because I think, I don't remember if we actually did the IMDB reading of Mad Max Fury Road in Ep. 1. So maybe this is the first time, but here it is. In a post-apocalyptic wasteland, a woman rebels against a tyrannical ruler in search of her homeland with the aid of a group of female prisoners, a psychotic worshiper, and a drifter... Named Max. I,
1: was, I actually was saying, are they going to mention Max? Are they going to mention the guy in the title? Well, you know, this is... Saying, <laughs> I, was just, I, I would have loved it if it just said, and Max. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: Max too. Um, I love that, A, in that description it did it, but also in this film, Mad Max is not... Even though he is the titular character and even though we opened the film with him, he is, like, not... Furiosa is the main character. Like, there's no question that Furiosa is the main character. Uh, They both go through changes, and there's things that they, you know, work with each other uh, together on and that sort of change about each of them as they go. But uh, I, I love it when a movie or a game or something like that can sort of subvert expectations as to what you are getting. Um, and pull it off. I'm not talking about like a Metal Gear Solid Two Raiden situation. I'm talking, you know, th- this. It, it, it's very hard to pull off, and I think they do pull it off here. Um, right. And now, even we, as we know, uh, and actually, you can go into a little bit of depth on this because I know you have a, a story about this here. But the um, they're making the prequel of Furiosa, telling her yes. story before uh, the the events of Mad Max Fury Road. And uh, I believe you had a, you had an interesting
1: anecdote about that through some of your research. Uh, I mean, my research is I'm reading Kyle Buchanan's book, uh, Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, which is basically about the um, uh, the making of Mad Max: Fury Road, and it's fascinating. And like, so I watched Mad Max: Fury Road again. I've watched it a couple of times since we saw it, um, uh, and you know, I love it every time. And uh, I said to you to earlier today, one of the barometers of deciding whether a movie is good or not is how much it interrupts my wife's day, um, which is to say that like that was a movie where uh my wife was working next or like in in the room next to me and she heard mad Max Fury road came out for a few minutes to to see what was up and then all and then pretty before she knew it she'd sat down and watched the entire film and i think that's a that's the barometer of a great movie in in uh in that way but i have been as i mentioned reading me uh blood sweat and chrome and there's this quote here from justin chang the critic for the la times who says, uh, there's something very subversive about that in the context of it being a Mad Max movie, where he basically, and when he says he's referring to George Miller, turned uh, the sidekick into his own movie. That's one of the great stealth surprises of the movie, is that it's all about Furiosa. And Tom Hardy uh, follows this with saying, Charlize arguably laid down the finest lead character in any action movie, and that credit is much deserved in my opinion. Both to her as a phenomenal talent and to George for recognizing from the very start of the process that it was time to pass Mel's shoes, Mel Gibson, uh, onto Furiosa, which was not only refreshing, but incredibly smart. Um, The making of Mad Max Fury Road is a fascinating 30-year journey um i'm not sure we, we talked about this obviously on that first episode uh that our, what our relationships was to the original mad max trilogy i had seen it uh by the by uh but they were not films that um that i revisited very often i recall beyond thunderdome particularly for the tina turner song mm-hmm. the list of which she's on there there's a great uh, rick and morty episode which parodies uh mad max the road warrior as well um the get after that uh it took george miller george miller kind of basically after beyond thunderdome decided to go off and essentially make prestige films he went off and made uh lorenza's oil um and then uh into the happy Feet, oh and then wrote uh co-wrote the first uh babe movie and directed the, the following babe uh babe pig in the city movie after that um And what you have to remember about George Miller is, first of all, he was a doctor, which is just just this crazy, crazy little anecdote about uh, a human being. He's a doctor and decided to become a filmmaker and then became one of the world's greatest filmmakers. Um, and, uh, he made Mad Max, uh, on a whim off his own money. Uh, and it became one of the most successful independent films of all time. Um, Mad Max Fury Road 2 was also, uh, uh, sorry, Mad Max, the road warrior was another incredible success. These both, uh, uh, launched the career of a young Mel Gibson as well, who went off into superstardom and also made a household name out of George Miller in some respects in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Um, for many years after, um, Lorenzo's oil, the um, people in Hollywood studios were courting him for the rights to, uh, to do another Mad Max. And and this went through several iterations where there was uh, a sort of script idea for Mad Max, uh, a four, uh, Mad Max four. And then there was uh, an idea for a TV show of Mad Max, where George Miller kind of agreed that one of the things that he liked about the idea of Mad Max was that it could be an episodic show, um, you know, where you would just drop into Mad Max um, adventures on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. Um, And then around 1995, the idea of shooting um, Mad Max really kicked into high gear when he enlisted um, uh, Brendan McCarthy uh, to come and help storyboard. And they had this really unusual process with Mad Max Fury Road, which is that they decided ostensibly not to write a script – but to write a comic book well what and and if you watch any of the making ofs for mad max fury road uh you you'll see that they have this room which is covered in drawings from wall to wall it basically stretches all around and there's something in the vicinity of like three thousand drawings and essentially that's how they wrote the movie as a as a graphic novel um And then it was later transcribed, and uh, again, through Carl Buchanan's book, I I found out about this person, uh, Nico Lothorius, I I believe is his name, um, kind of came on board as um, in the theater world, you would have a dramaturge who would, um, you know, essentially protect the text Mm -hmm. uh, or protect the story, protect the world. And Nico was brought on to kind of... um, Protect the world of Mad Max Fury Road as they went into production. Uh, I'm not even going to speak about the fact that the movie like was slated to start in 2001, then crashed because of uh, the the World Trade Center attack, which meant that the U.S. dollar failed, and then they couldn't. They they were originally going to film in Namibia, but it it was felt that it would be too risky to travel uh, in a post uh, 9/11 world, and then the film was then slated to again go up again i think in 2008 or a little bit or maybe 2010 um and at this point uh, mel gibson was no longer interested in the role he felt he was too old to do it um and then that fell apart because of financing because they were going to film it in australia also this is like this there was like this don quixote kind of thing you know like a story of terry Gilliam making don quixote but where he um where they were going to film in Australia, but a monsoon came and suddenly flooded the lands that they were going to film in with flowers. And so they couldn't film there. And so they shipped the whole thing to Namibia uh, and ended up filming in 2012. Many a story there. Um, I'm coming back to this thing about Nico Lotharis. uh, He essentially writes, uh, with the help of George Miller, both the script for Mad Max Fury Road and a prequel script for Furiosa. And the the aim of the prequel script isn't really to become a film. It's just to fill in the backstory of Furiosa. Right. And it says that that's this really interesting thing. There's like, you know, uh, if you're on a film and they say, well, uh, what's my backstory? It's very rare that someone will just hand you a whole screenplay and say, here is your backstory. <laughs> and it's an entire movie devoted to how this character came to be. I think and they I think did that in Space Jam, uh, New Legacy. In Space Jam, you know, LeBron's yeah. version was like, this is how you came mm-hmm, to be. Mm-hmm. Or Bugs Bunny. They went through the entire Both Bugs of Bunny came. Both of yeah. them. Um, so, you know, this is all circling back to this kind of point that you made here. And I think this sort of interesting thing in the, in the IMDb synopsis, which is, who is the main character of this Mad Max movie? And I think one of the things I said in that first episode is, does this need to be a Mad Max movie? Like, does you this did actually say that? Yeah, does this need to be a Mad Max movie at all? And I think watching it again, there's something, there's a couple of really clever things about it. But that actually does still somewhat, it doesn't bother me, but it kind of is an interesting. Thing about this movie because Mad Max or Max, Max Rodakowski, Roder- Roder- or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. uh, as played by Tom Hardy here, um, is afforded the most internal backstory. Like we see flashbacks from for him. He is kind of given a monologue, uh, he is the center of the story. Yet we are all in agreement on this that Furiosa, played by Charlize Theron, is the far more interesting character and whose story feels like it is the one being propelled forward. Uh, far more in the movie. Would you? Would you? I mean, how did you feel about it oh, watching the well, so, second time around? So
0: the, fir- the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is Furiosa's story. This is entirely what it is." But to actually, I think to the Blade's point in chat too, um, <laughs> they, I, I still believe she is the main character, but I think they both go through the same the same amount of changes, which is why it could be considered like a co lead. Like the story changes them. Them working with each other changes them in a way. M- m- How do I put this? It's, it's odd because, and by the way, we're in spoilers now for Mad Max Fury Fury, Road, just in case you were here. There's another
1: podcast you could listen to. I hope
0: they don't spoil it. Um, (laughs) The, the way that Max deals with his trauma and the way that Furiosa does as well, but her hers is through sort of vengeance and getting sort of basically like saving the people that she cares about. Max doesn't care at the beginning of the movie but he it's funny furiosa's story we're getting like the very end of that turn in this movie Mm -hmm. max we get the whole beginning to end of that same turn of that same turn like it's becoming it's it's almost like the truncated version of furiosa's entire life like in a weird way um, I don't know. I I dig that incredibly. I love to the point of does it have to be a Mad Max movie? Of course it doesn't. But like, any movie doesn't have to be any movie. Like I find I find that exercise not helpful. Like like because right. it's not it's not like this. It's not like Mad Max had the cultural cachet to like really bring people to the theater by the time this came out. What what it it obviously a a name that people recognized from the past that has some sort of branding and has some sort of, like, knowledge is a good, like, brain worm to get you to be like, what's this? Oh, I know Mad Max. Holy shit. Are you seeing those fucking cars? Like, the trailer and the music and the way that the phonetic, uh, frenetic energy that they this movie was presented to audiences with to sell it is the thing that got people through the door. I don't think Mad Max had enough cultural cash to, like, actually... Make a dent. Like, because look at and you know, I feel like Hollywood, and we'll talk about like how Hollywood has changed since we first covered this movie back in the day. But like look at look at the all the wrong lessons Hollywood learned. Look at all of the films (laughs) that they've tried to remake or redo or put into the into the into like the the current times, everything from total recall to RoboCop to like tons of just classic stuff. Now, granted, Mad Max rewrote is a direct sequel and those are remakes. But still, they're trying to capture the old-school action movie magic in a bottle and put it for modern audiences, and it feels like they learned the wrong lessons. Mad Max took every advantage it could possibly get to tell an amazing story in a phenomenally beautiful place that we had not seen in that way on film before. And uh, it is it is an absolute goddamn triumph that that movie got made and it is as good as it is. Uh, Mm. there are cracks in the armor. We'll talk Mm. about them a little bit. This isn't a uh, perfect film. Nothing is. Um, but uh, it's a film that got me excited to talk about movies once a week for seven years. Like, uh, 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 side note, it's funny how films sort of make us do things. Um, uh darkness flies in the chat asked a bit ago uh have we covered ultraviolet we have not ultraviolet one of your yeah yeah I'm was the that. film that, that made me story. and steven Bugis <clears throat> before before the only podcast about movies start our sketch comedy thing um uh same night movie review because we went and saw ultraviolet i got so mad at that movie uh, I went home and had uh, a few too many shots and I, then I told Steve to put a camera on me and I screamed about that movie for five minutes. and that's what actually got me into reviewing films. that it was the, what I did was just a, a sort of like uh, inebriated rage scream, which I do not appreciate, <laughs> but like it, that's what got the idea of like, oh, we can talk about this and then I actually got better at talking about things and making, at least what I hope are salient points, let me know, email us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or if you're in the live chat right now, you can just type it live and either praise me and make me feel better or hurt my feelings Um, anyway, yeah, no ultraviolet, maybe one
1: day (laughs) So to answer that question, uh, I think there's an interesting thing happening here in terms of the way in which it uses its main character. I, I think one of the things that would be not necessarily a flaw, but an interesting thing here is, Ma- is Max is not an interesting character in this movie. Right. Um, and the performance by Tom Hardy, I think there's a the well-documented um, feud that went on during the making of this where Charlize and, and Tom did not get on. Uh, Tom uh, had just come off the dark Knight rises and his, his star was ascending, but famously, and, and he may have been somewhat difficult to work with. Um, but he's also, uh, I, I don't know if difficult to work with um, is the right way to describe it as much as he was kind of like, he was being, he was being recognized as somewhat of a method actor, as someone who also um uh you know like really works hard at the things that he does and then what the way he describes it is he wasn't sure what was going on in george miller's head or what the film was and he didn't have a lot of faith in it so when he actually finally saw the film um famously you can find the this release about this somewhere um the they found uh he he apologized uh to george miller and to Charlize Theron, and he was like look i gotta be honest with you I didn't know what it was we were making, and now that I see it, I I actually owe you an apology because I see what you were trying to do there, and you know uh, I may have been a bit of an ass about it. Um, so I, I think the thing there is that like you know like and and his performance is really strange. Like I love Tom Hardy. Um, for me, the film that really solidifies Tom Hardy as an actor is Warrior. The um, yep. uh, the 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 MMA film I think is really excellent. I absolutely love that. Um, uh, love that film quite a lot, I think Hardy's really great in it. Um, <clears throat> but in Mad Max Fury Road, I actually find him, you're not quite sure what his performance is trying to do. You know, like the voice is really strange, the grunting is really strange. You're not quite convinced of the narrative thing about, you know, like the memory of his daughter, uh, which comes back. And, you know, I, you know, for people who are watching in the live stream, he does this thing above his hand, which actually protects him at the end of the movie from an arrow, which is based off this memory he has of his daughter. Um, but Charlize walks away with the movie because she has the clearest through line. She has the clearest arc and she is the most heroic action. Well, and I don't know if heroic actions is what defines it as like the central character, but she is the one we're rooting for. She, I I think I would, I would, I I don't know if this is quite the analogy, but, um, I mean, at least for me in star Wars, Han Solo is the more interesting character than Luke Skywalker. Right. And Charlize is. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah.
0: But that's like, yeah, no, I I think that's an apt, I think that's an apt comparison though. Han Solo in the first star Wars anyway, before they become kind of an ensemble that they have all them sharing all the time with kind of like is there for the first two thirds gets popped out and then comes back. Great kid. Great shot kid. That's one in a million. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. So, so let's, let's, Talk about the first time you saw the movie. Like, were you and you and I saw it together the the second time? But but, do you remember your first screening of the movie?
0: Um, I do. It was at uh, again at Lincoln. Um, Yeah. uh, The um, what's it called? The it was in that theater that they just redid that has the balcony. Okay. Theater 1. I don't know it. They okay, all have sure. like old like <laughs> sure. school name things. Uh and yeah. no, I just remember it was one of those movies where you walk out of the theater and you just sort of like you don't know what to do. Uh yeah. <laughs> you just sort of like It's it's incredibly it's incredibly sort of evocative and like gets in your brain and like doesn't let you leave. Like I lived in that world for like weeks afterward, which is why I felt so comfortable about doing the podcast and just talking about it sort of off the cuff. We went in with like kind of a plan. We took some notes, but we didn't do like a ton. Um, Mm. The notes years were more uh, 2016 to like 2022. Well, we do We do notes sometimes now, uh, oftentimes when we, when we have sort of like the, the, the light bulb moments, uh, right. uh, no, it, 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 it was one of those films that like absolutely changed the way that like, I, here's here's what it is. I thought I'd seen it all. Mm-hmm. And then you go watch Mad Max Fury road and you're like, Oh wait, there's still more. There's still more to see. Right. uh yeah, uh it's it's absolutely it's it's great. I don't know i uh, I,
1: I mean I can tell I, I I can tell you the exact memory I have of that movie. And I think I saw it with a friend of the show and friend of ours Nicholas Parker um in that first screen. i, I have a distinct suspicion you might have been at the first screening I went to as well um probably, but I remember so the film is divided up into ostensibly one, two, three, essentially four or five chase sequences. It's, one of Miller's kind of big points here was, uh, his thesis statement for the movie is, could a movie be made up entirely of a chase sequence uh, where information, backstory, character motivations are revealed through the process of that chase?
0: Spoiler um, alert,
1: yes. <laughs> and um, uh, I recall during the, it's essentially the first chase sequence, which is when uh, Max is connected to a blood bag, or Max becomes the blood bag for sure. one of the war boys played by Nicholas Holt uh, as Nux, uh, as they chase down... Um, Furiosa, who has taken uh, the war rig away from the citadel, um, and they drive headfirst into uh, a uh, uh, an immense storm, uh, which which promptly destroys the ensuing party of, of chasing cars, um, and leaves Max um, chained to a, a chain to Nux uh, in a mountain of uh, in a mountain of sand. Yes, uh, and there was a moment in that chase sequence which basically is the conclusion of that chase sequence, where the camera kind of lands on a flare that has been lit. And it uh, basically allows the chase to continue as the storm continues. And we pull into that flare as it slowly dies away and the screen slowly fades to black. After what has been a relentless 33 minutes of just pure chase adrenaline, the likes of which I had to be honest, uh, you know, like you know, the comparisons to maybe uh, William Friedkin's *The French Connection* seemed apt in terms of something being that. Right? Relentless. Yeah. 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 Um, but but nothing on the scale. The the sort of the you know, and I think uh, the Blade kind of mentioned this as well. Um, something that was. So profoundly real compared to movies that were coming out at the similar time. You remember, Age of Ultron came out in the same year and kind of has like a big action set <laughs> piece to open it with, um, but none of none of which speaks to the same, almost the same cinematic language as right. those first thirty-three minutes of, of, of Mad Max Rose. And it's thirty-three minutes, which means it's not just like a a cold open or anything like that. It's just it's not just a primer. It's like this is the movie. And I remember yeah. uh, me sitting next to Nicholas Parker and going. And like the, the screen kind of fading to black and we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, what the fuck <laughs> have we just walked into? And it was like, you know, there was a lot of hype for this movie at that point as well. People had seen it uh, and people were talking about it and it was, it was, you know, uh, it had come off a, a release at Cannes, I believe, with uh, much fanfare and it was all earned. That's, that's the thing that hype uh, was never unearned there was never I, I don't think there's anybody that walks into this movie uh sight unseen or even with all the preamble of hype and and doesn't feel that it's warranted even today and that's yeah. and I think that's that's a really um interesting thing about about the revisit is that the the revisit doesn't just solidify it as a great movie and a reason why we do this podcast and 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 you know, like um, uh, important in the in the face of uh, uh, its place in cinema. You know, the Sight and Sound top ten, or top hundred movies is about to come out. I'm sure Mad Max Fury Road will feature it in some place, right? Um, but it's a movie that actually still puts to shame almost everything that comes after it, um, and certainly most things that come before it. Um, and that's that is pretty unusual. It sets the bar so high, I cannot say anything has come as has come close to what this film actually did can you
0: no i mean i definitely agree we we kept talking about when we were sort of playing this episode we kept like dialing into the fact and then we were going to save it for the episode so we kept not talking about it but mm-hmm. the fact that age of ultron did come out the same year as mad max fury wrote <laughs> I have had a complicated relationship with Age of Ultron. I really liked it when it came out. I have since dropped off. But actually, upon my last viewing, I kind of dug it again. Um, I think there's problems, but I think there's uh, some, some stuff that the current Marvel uh, zeitgeist is lacking. Namely, like, giving a shit or even showing remotely an, uh, a regular civilian human um, in any capacity. Um, but... Uh, it is such the antithesis of fury road like there's no question that like in however many years uh cinema and humanity survives less people will be talking about age of ultron and then we'll be talking about mad max fury road in fact when we get to episode 800 uh in <laughs> in the year 2033
1: yeah 31 <laughs> <31? laughs> it'll be a while we'll be uh, we'll be older and hairier
0: uh, or less hairy, depending on uh, the way that age happens. Um, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, like th- this. This is going to be the thing. The thing I was saying before, um, and I was wondering, and actually, chat questions for you. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I I want I want to know if upon everyone's first viewing of this movie. A, if it was the first Mad Max movie you'd ever watched? And B, did you find Max's story confusing? The first time I watched it, I I had not watched Mad Max's in a minute. In fact, I think even in the first in the first uh, in episode one of this podcast, I talk about a friend I had named Tom, who was like the Mad Max like aficionado. And I'd seen the Mad Max movies like once or twice in my life. And they were fine. I I enjoyed them, but they never like grabbed me, like, say, an escape from New York, which I think I've seen probably like 50 times Um, Hmm. the the. But so, like, whenever he'd talk about them and make references to them and do all this stuff, I'd just be like, yeah, it's cool. And so when I saw (laughs) this, I was always like, wait, are these, are the characters that he's seeing, like, that's sort of having the flashbacks and, like, all this stuff, like, actual characters from those movies or not? And, like, should I know, like, should I know that little kid? Should I know that man as he's running through away from the war boys and, like... I'm wondering, does it matter at all? Did it throw anyone for a loop? Because Furiosa, even though you don't know her past, it's not presented to you in the same sort of like jumbled state. Not that I think Mm -hmm. this makes it any worse. I was just curious. Um, I was just curious. Yeah, uh, The Blade says something people uh,
1: his age saw everything edited for TV first, so that throws it um yeah <laughs> the blade we could talk all day about uh my first experience of the godfather uh which i saw edited for tv and it was basically the godfather part one and part two assembled together in chronological order for tv and that yeah. was my first experience of the godfather uh, films which is very strange yeah compared to what those A- films actually are
0: yeah and, and, and amp saying this is his first mad Max. Film. yeah so like I, I i even remember being like when I was watching it, and the spectacle was washing over me, I think maybe mm. another reason why I latched onto Furiosa's story more, especially the first time I watched it. I think there's a lot of subtle stuff, like we mentioned that, um, that Tom does to 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 uh, to make Mad Max in, in a less than speaking role be very sort of changing and emotional and emotive, um, is that I felt like. I was joining Max in a, like, I, I couldn't get on board cause like I was missing the three other movies of lore. So I think I like mm-hmm. latched on to Furiosa more because her entire story, at least the, I, you know, it depends on the, the what level you're scaling in and out of, but like in the Fury Road story, it's a story I could understand and it's not presenting her past incredibly outside of a few dialogue moments where like we get- I think
1: so. Oh, what do you got? Uh, I was just going to say, in terms of that canonical question that we're having in terms of like how this movie sits in relation to what the film industry has become ostensibly since 2008, when the release of Iron Man and, and the, the bigger part of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what I actually appreciate about this film is that it's non-canonical, and that sure. you don't need to know who Max is. You don't need to know Mad Max. For and and like maybe perhaps as a, as a hangover from when the movie was being developed for television um, or the series was being developed for television, uh, you know, there's no continue, and 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 before the golden age of television, which you know, when television became like grand movies, um, it is um, it's a movie or, or even a series where Max is um, uh, simply a vessel for us to experience the story. Now, I think that raises an interesting question because one of the, you know, as Justin Chang kind of noted, it is one of the subversive things, acts about this movie. And it was one of the, one of the odd pieces of criticism that like is the, um, is what I would call the sort of the uh, the crazy corner of the internet where like people decide to like make this the issue of the movie. And, and you know, the issue of the, that particular movie at that time, if I recall correctly, was why they try to inject feminism into my action movies, and I was like, well, I don't, I don't think that a, that's not how feminism really works. B, um, more than anything, uh, while it is a, a devoutly feminist film, uh, it, it's also one that like makes the point that that shouldn't affect your reading of it because it is, it is so exciting and so, in in many ways, so much more exciting than most of the movies that had come out that try to. And and I, you know, even in this Carl Buchanan book uh, there's a quote there, which like makes the comparison of the way in which Mad Max's Mad Max is a film, um, embraces its feminist roots, uh, versus the way in which Avengers in game or infinite Yeah. In game has that moment, you know, has the, the, the woman power, you know, moment, which just does not land in any way, shape or form, um, you know, versus this, which actually kind of like resonates in a sort of deeper way. Um, um, and, and really works. Because um, one is an intrinsically
0: so human moment, like or a human human experience, I guess. It w- mm. we, you would say in a, in a fantastic world. Actually, that brings us to another thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Something we mentioned that I, I I I am in awe of every time we mentioned it last time. Especially when you're mm-hmm. putting it in the Is it something we
1: said or something that someone else said? No, we said. I, mean, I only quote <laughs> oh, really? us. You're, um, you're only in or of things we said.
0: No, no, no. I'm in awe that it, <laughs> it is true of this movie. Is that Mad yeah. Max, Fury Road, and none of the other Mad Maxes, I will say, do this. Everything feels like, as I said this before, but feels like it could be real or could happen. Like right. Age of Ultron or any of these Marvel movies, I never am like, wow, this is so surely our world and, and Mad Max free road is fantastical and a nightmare, but Mm -hmm. like nothing is out of the realm of possibility or believability in the world that they set up. Like I'm never, i I'm never bucked. My, my uh, investment in the world is never poisoned in a way where the movie lies to me about the rules of the, of the world or what's happening. Um, Mm. And it's so amazing to, to have a movie that looks like this feel that way right
1: so it, it, it's not like the eternium bikes and black panther is what you're saying
0: eternium bikes
1: and black panther uh sorry not black adam my apologies the i was gonna say bikes i was like black black a- i think you get you're yeah. getting yeah
0: uh listen the hierarchy <laughs> yeah. of uh fury road is about <laughs> to change uh man black adam fuck I have not thought about <laughs> well,
1: that movie since we recorded that like at all. And, and and why would you? Why would you? <laughs> you know oh, like why boy. would you ever think about that movie ever again? Yeah. Um so I I think you know like what you're learning to as well is this line that I think uh Rosie huntington Wheatley, Wheatley, uh I'm going to I I've butchered that I apologize. Wheatley. Whitley? Um Whitley, yeah. And if you think again, just in terms of like the respect, uh, I mean it, the issue of uh, making a feminist film or making a film that adheres to feminist ideals. Just think about Rosie huntington Weekly and uh, you know, she'd just come up doing Transformers dark of the moon or the third one or something like that versus uh, her appearance in this film Uh, and the way in which the camera leers at her uh in transformers versus the way uh it, it just kind of is there in this film um there's a the great uh essay on feminist film theory it's the one that everyone does in film 101 class is uh laura mulvey's um uh Oh, I forget actually the name of the article, but Laura Mulvey is the author of that um, on the way in which women are filmed and depicted right. in movies. Um, <clears throat> so the question is here that uh, Rosie Huntington Wheatley's character, I think her name is Splendid. Is that her name? Splendid? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, is who killed the world? Yeah. You know, who killed the world? And really, the question, what, what the movie is really positing here is that men killed the world. Uh, you know, the, 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 not just, um, not just these men, not the, not just the Bullet Farmer not just the, um, uh, who are the other, uh, not just, uh, uh, it's, well, it's, uh, it's
0: Gastown and the Bullet Farm. Gast, I don't know what the Gastown, Bullet Farm
1: and the Citadel, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, and then of course there's also the, the, the bikes as well. They're part of, uh, you know, the, I forget what they were. Outside for. of that, like whatever, <laughs> that, whatever that, whatever that triarchy of power is,
0: they're outside of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: There yeah um oh the people leader is from Town. yeah and who Richard Carter the is the bullet
0: farmer yeah, yeah yeah uh
1: who killed the world I think is a really great question and this movie is really why this movie kind of works is that that is a question that appears like midway through the film and it is really a great question about like why is this world the way it is and the ending of the movie is really positing an alternative which I think is what is so great about it the ending of this film is the volvolina um coming back and um um, and and basically taking over the citadel to perhaps grow a better world, and I think that's you know and Max is not part of that, and I think that that's kind of the genius move at the end of this movie. Uh, and my favorite moment in this movie is this moment when the bullet farmers are uh, the, the 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 bullet farmer guy is coming to kill them, and they have uh, a sniper rifle yes. with three rounds in it. And they're counting it down. And two rounds of fire. That Max fires two rounds poorly, and and immediate and and there's just this complete unspoken uh, exchange that happens between Furiosa and Max at this moment. And I think this is the this to me is the most beautiful scene in the movie. Is that he just hands her the gun and goes okay, and she and she says, you know, don't move. She says, don't uh, breathe. And it's like yeah, uh, you don't breathe. That's right. She, yeah, uses him, so she uses she uses him as a fucking as a, as a stand. And, and, and in many ways, by Max being essentially a character who is irrelevant to the to the main narrative thrust, he's not the main character, you can have a moment like that and a moment that, exchange, that makes that big exchange of power and that acknowledgement of that exchange of power uh, and do it so well because of the way the movie kind of operates in terms of like, Furioso is really the main character of this movie. And this movie is really going out of its way to show it to you. There's this unfortunate thing that you kind of alluded to. And maybe that thing about, you know, uh, as we were talking about uh, with that sort of the dark corner of the internet is that, is that would people go to this movie if it was marketed and sold as uh, Furiosa's movie, which is essentially what the next movie is going to be about. Um, I don't know. I think I I think it's it's fair to say that we are not conditioned to um, to do that, you know, like to to go see movies that are driven by female um, female leads. But but the genius of this movie is that it is a, it is a movie with a lead female and one that is really compelling and one that has a great backstory and one that actually transforms the world and deals with those issues in really profound ways and sidelines its main character its headline character not its main character um and and does that really powerfully um i think i think that's kind of you know the the ostensible spectacle of the film is really great and it's why we you know it's it's what we talk about and that sort of thing but the 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 longevity and the genius of this film has to do with that transfer of power and what the film is really talking about um i don't know that that was that was one of the things that struck me this time around um a second thing that really struck me this time around uh was the idea of the good death uh or the noble death and um you you know in the in the movie uh nux and many of the war boys uh are often talking about being ascended into valhalla uh, you know they witnessed me the you know the sort of famous thing the, the chrome yep. uh to the face uh, because that is their idea of what a good death is um but as the movie progresses nux obviously learns that that is not necessarily the case and he finds that there is maybe uh you know like his version of death has to do with the destruction of an enemy and what he lands to at the end is that his version of death might be in aid of a better future, and I think that's a that's a really um, beautiful thing as well. You know, like where he basically he 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 comes to the, his mission becomes one of hope, which is the conversation that uh, Charlize there uh, with Furioso and Max kind of talk about. Like hope is uh, 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 something, you know, hope is a mistake, and she sort of says, "Well, maybe it's not." Um, and I think, I think that that's, that sort of balance kind of struck me this time around as well.
0: Well, it's so interesting because they talk, hoping mistake or whatever, like everyone in this movie, other than Max until the end, when he sort of gets his hope back, believes mm-hmm. in something, they believe in something so hard that they've mm-hmm. made it their entire sort of life's work or personality. Right. And you can look at any group has some people like this. But like right. the war boys, um, like it is it is uh, again, I don't want to keep quoting the old episode. So I'm trying to think of sort of like new points, <laughs> but like it's the it's the indoctrination effect of what happens in either social circles or governments or anything like that. Like they they know one thing they're told one yeah. thing they believe that the ultimate thing they can do is die uh, in service of a Morton Joe, so they can ride to Valhalla next to him, shiny and chrome, uh, and and it doesn't matter that the words are silly. Like it, it's it's post apocalyptic. You're gonna grab onto whatever you can grab onto. The um, Furiosus people uh, believe in sort of uh, preserving sort of the world that was with their bag of seeds and fighting, uh, f- trying to fight to stay sort of off the grid. Um, uh, and then eventually, of course, take back the citadel. The, there's just, and, and I love that again for the main character, be uh, or for 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 the I'm sorry, the titular character of Max is the one who is the only one that doesn't have hope at the beginning. Like they all, it, granted, mm. hope can be misplaced. The War Boys hope to have a good death. We you talked about Nox's transformation into what he hopes or believes, right? Max has zero hope. A- a- when yeah, and you starts. could
1: argue by the end of the movie, he like he does his he gets place in the world. Yeah, he's he's his place in the world is is still unclear, right? He's a yeah, but he's a weary traveler. Yeah, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, that's right. the that's the cool part. Um, yeah, and to Grass's point, who just mentioned in chat, uh, Max's monologue at the start uh, just mentions that he simply survives nothing more. Like, that's all. He, yeah, his and, only existence is survival. The whole the whole freaking first scene where you get the, like, my name is Max. Right? And, like, you just see him looking over the distance, and the little two-headed lizard runs up, and he just yeah. steps on it. It's like these this bearded wild man who just eats this fresh, dead lizard hole. Like, yeah. he's surviving. That's what he's yeah. doing. He's running and surviving. And by the end, he he still moves on, but he doesn't move on because he's frightened or he thinks the place is going to get worse. He moves on because, like, he thinks... I, I mean, I, I read it as he thinks the place will be better off without him, but he's made, he's made sure that he helped sort of get it to a place. Um,
1: and there's it's something... A, it's a... Oh, sorry. I ahead. was
0: going to say, there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for... Um, it's weird. I don't love it when like the hero needless, like a hero or whatever needlessly leaves at the end of a story, but like Max's truest form in the other movies. And in this one, even though it starts in a very dark place is being transient and he's right. not going to like just settle down into the Citadel or whatever and help Furiosa like run a government. Like that's not, I don't know. It's just, it's, 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 it's it's a key to uh, pieces work,
1: and the searchers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, like it, there, there is no place for him in this world and he is off to find either another adventure or, or, um, place where, um, where he's needed or potentially he is off to die. You know, like, like this idea of a good death, uh, kind of plays it, you know, like he's off to an uncertain future, uh, where his death is not, um, where his death is imminent um I, I think that's a that's an entire possibility as well and you know like i like the idea that in this prequel that i believe that they're making furioso i i don't believe it is max oriented at all like no I don't, it's not because he, he, max...
0: he doesn't meet yeah. her till then he doesn't meet her till he uh till he's the blood bag hunting down yeah. the the uh the war rig
1: yeah um, and um Chris Hemsworth is being cast in Furiosa. So I, th- I believe he might really? be playing a younger version. Yeah, a younger version of a Morton Joe. Um, what? Yeah, I, 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 that, that's my presumption. I'm, I'm not exactly. Well, let's look it up. Let's, let's, let's not be, uh, let's not be talking. I don't want here. that.
0: Like you don't at want, uh, all. W-
1: what don't you want? You don't want. Uh, I
0: don't want Chris Hemsworth to be a Morton Joe. Like. Uh, I, I don't Hinsworth know. Hemsworth is
1: in it. I, I I would say, well, the so because yeah, the, do we need film, young, sexy Morton Joe? Well, it's Anya Taylor Joy who's going to be playing Furioso as a young woman. And I, and I think if, I, if I'm if i reading this correctly, uh, this is that script that Nick uh, Lotharius uh wrote, uh, which was the preamble. And in many ways, yeah, you're right. I, I don't want to see it. Oh, it's not that I don't want to see it. Look, I will happily pay my money to see it. But what's great about Mad Max: Fury Road as a film unto itself is, I go, that's the story, and that's all I need from it. And I, if if there was no more of these, I would be happy that I with what I've seen at this point. There's no, there's no, uh, there's nothing missing for me in the experience. Uh, Family not seen this, and like in many ways, that's this other powerful thing that the film does in terms of a storytelling point of view. and Maybe it comes from the storyboarding uh, process, is that um, it has this faith in its audience in yes. terms of like. We don't need to know why Furiosa lost her arm. Like I kind of get that it had something to do with Morton Joe and this entire uh, odyssey that she is upon. Uh, it has something to do with revenge uh, on Fury on Immortan Joe, but is also mixed in with this desire to want to create a better world for the people that she is, you know, that, that she that she remembers. Um, but I, you know, I don't need to. I don't need to see. Uh, a Furioso prequel and in many ways when we talk about like what has changed in the industry since since then is an odd thing which is that um, Mad Max Fury Road is obviously the fourth movie in a franchise of film but it is one that maybe kind of akin to Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi (laughs) is one that suggests that that the that the history of the franchise is irrelevant to moving forward you know, like like like, we don't need continuity, and we don't need um, stories to move forward. You know, we don't need stories to have to move forward in this way.
0: Right. Except the tragedy Star- of Darth Plagueis uh, is, in yeah. fact, that uh, yeah. they didn't do that. And although yeah. I have to say, uh, I've liked what I've seen of Andor. Uh, it seems okay. like they're just telling like an individual, really interesting story that's not focused on the Skywalker saga or the Jedi, and I I'm digging it. That's the first Star Wars thing since. Uh, the Last Jedi that's been remotely sort of, like, interesting. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. And, 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 and the thing is that since Mad Max Fury Road has come out, we've gotten much further into this idea that movies have continuity. In many ways, it's the thing that, you know, like, if we talk about the podcast as well, it's the one thing that I've always kind of, like, never really enjoyed is the idea that movies need um, multiple pieces in order to be complete. And in many ways, you know, in certain franchises, as we've seen, they never are complete. You know, they never. Are, whereas Mad Max is complete, uh, I would argue in in you know perhaps in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, In Game was the completion of that story, and I was like,
0: great. I will this say this, where, you know, that, I, yeah, I will. But, say but this you to, know, like we've we've gotten point, further.
1: In, yeah. To Grass's
0: point that I just What's put on that? the screen. Uh, the, there's one part that is not complete. You hear the the stilt What's walkers that? in the bog i want to see more of the stilt walkers in the bog they do say i'm sure, like, I'm sure there's, there's a whole entire, thing there
1: right yeah i'm sure i'm sure there is but i don't but here's the thing is if i never learn that story if i never know what that story is i don't feel like i've missed out right the but we know here's activity. the thing yes you know what we, i mean
0: and i don't think that yeah i think uh i think what grass is sort of saying is like it, the feeling and you can correct me if i'm wrong grass but you, the feeling is that i think that was Kelvin, by the way that said that was it Oh, well, I, I found I found what I'm sorry if I if I lost that. Yeah. Uh. Yep, that was Kellen. Sorry. Um. The, the the movie presents small moments such as the bog walkers in a way that makes it feel like the world is lived in. And you could just swing the camera and turn left and like everything else like about other things in that world would still be happening in a. Yeah. An, and again, I. I am still a Marvel fanboy, despite being disappointed with the last two things. But the mm-hmm. well, I I, I love She Hulk. Um, but I'm talking about the films. Um, but like in a Marvel movie, especially now, especially in a Phase Four world, you never feel that way. You never feel right. like you could turn a corner and like you wouldn't just see a grip. Like it's it's uh, right. it's it's and that's fine. Like entertainment can be that. Like you do, you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah. it's, we, it's we not- talked
1: about this. Uh, uh, I can't remember which episode we talked about this in, but we talked about it like the, the catering tent conundrum.
0: Oh, that's, do, do you recall
1: the catering, the, the, the catering tent conundrum was like getting the sense that like, if a movies being made, uh, if you feel like the catering tent is just off screen, right. You know, like that, that kind of impinges on your feeling. And like in um, Mad Max Fury Road, you're like, I don't know where the catering tent is for this movie. Like it felt like it took them a while to get to this point here. Yeah. And again, you have to read uh, Kyle Buchanan's book. Uh, it's a lot of fun in terms of describing just how arduous was to make this movie. Uh, the, the Blade is kind of const, is, is often referring to uh, Top Gun: Maverick as being in the same elk as this. I, I would say, to me, and it's. I apologize for this. I don't know why this has happened. It is purely incidental, but I've made three Star Wars references in this in this episode, and this is going to be you heard it here year. first. Here, <laughs> yeah. very excited
0: to see what happens next in <laughs> Star Wars, the franchise <laughs> I would, I that would, we said we would not review the next film of because <laughs> I of would how say Maverick much... is
1: akin to Star Wars and New Hope, um, which is that um, you are talking about Hope Top Gun is... Maverick. Yeah, Top Gun, sorry. Not Top the Gun, film, Maverick. not a,
0: the Mel Gibson film, which one could be confused about because we're
1: talking about Mad Max, Maverick. We should do that film. Uh, Maverick is a fun Richard movie. Daugher's, Riverboat yeah, gambling, what could go wrong? <laughs> um, no, I look, um, There's, uh, I, it's very tricky when we came to our 400th episode. We were like, what do we talk about in 400 episodes that feel significant? And in many ways, uh, revisiting Mad Max Fury Road felt natural to me at least because i knew re-watching it that that was a movie that was epochal you know like it actually it made change and that change has not been i i don't feel like that change has been met at this point um I, I i don't i can't think of a film that is what, really what do you mean uh, by that sorry like you feel like it
0: made a like, change but it hasn't been met
1: yet I, I feel like that movie in the, in the seven years that we've been doing this podcast is the only movie to do what it has done. And, and sure. it yeah. is the only movie to set the bar that high and set the bar that far apart that it feels like an entirely in a league of its own. And, and I would actually be fairly convinced that if we got to 800 episodes, that would still be the case. Like, I, 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 I think so highly of that movie. Yeah, this movie.
0: I mean, and I, I, you and I have agreed on occasion about films yeah. on here, um, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: I cannot think of another movie that we have talked about in 400 episodes that we're, would,
1: we're, that would... we're equally passionate about it.
0: Well, sometimes, no, 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 I think that that's possible. I, I can't remember a few. Maybe uh, Tersman can tell us which one we were just as passionate about as this one yeah. as the resident Topham historian, but no, I mean, I don't think that there's another movie on that review list that would have made me want to talk about movies weekly continually for the better part of my life. Like, yeah. like, I, I, and that to me, when you find something and chat, you can chime in on this too. Like when you find the thing, it doesn't have to be a movie. It could be a game. It can be a book. It could be a poem. It could be a song. It could be whatever, Ooh. some sort of media or thing outside of yourself, a play um that speaks to you in such a way where no matter how many times you see it you are still surprised by it you are in awe about it you are you are moved beyond the norm that is coming to you from that medium that mm-hmm. is something that i don't think um comes along often and mm-hmm. um i think the, and it's and, and i love it doubly that it's fury road for me because and for kind of for shahir and myself Because it's also, it's all of those things. It's all of those important, uh, incredibly technically skillful, moving, thoughtful, brilliant, fucking kick-ass monster madness thing. And it's also a Mad Max movie. And it's like, (laughs) what the fuck? Like, how can it be all
1: these things? Yeah, like I'm, I'm hoping the Tar cinematic universe opens up at some point, but, but that is not a movie that we're both going to fall in love with in the way that I think we're both going to fall in love with Mad Max: Fury Road. Ryan Run um, says
0: it's the Citizen Kane of movies, and I think I think
1: Citizen Kane. I think, of, I think, Kane of movies. I think that's uh, a really really good. We've done the really Citizen Kane movie. on this podcast, by yeah, the way, but it's you, but even have, Citizen
0: Kane isn't the Citizen Kane of movies anymore. I think the Citizen <laughs> Kane of movies is Mad Max: Fury Road. Uh, um, yeah.
1: <laughs> i i'm i'm curious then is there any is there any other thoughts on mad max we wrote anything in chat that would that wants to chat yeah, about did mad we, we not Fury? did we
0: forget to bring something up tell us yeah. right now and we'll vamp for the audio listeners at home so they don't even know that we're killing time for you to tell us or ask us or show us things that we might have forgotten for instance right. Shahir, i would mm. say in our 400 episodes I'm not gonna say that you learned to not hate fun um <laughs> but you have definitely learned to tolerate it to tolerate fun that is yes. that's
1: pretty I, I I think that's a fair assessment that I i I endure it like a grumpy old man in the corner of the room saying I suppose so great uh yeah, i suppose so kellen why Kel- not kellen uh asks
0: have you seen the black and white version and or the silent versions of mad max uh i have
1: how is the black and white version because i'll just not as good the, the... <laughs> well I, I i'm sure it's beautifully done like uh guillermo del toro recently did a um a black and white version of nightmare alley and i'm sure it's you know beautifully that done that movie and, feels like um, it belongs
0: more in black and white than mad max River. the colors in this and the change in color temperature yeah. and all those things is too it's too good it's too that's good. that's the
1: thing about the black and white version that i can't quite bring myself to is that the color version is so extraordinary to look at um that it's hard to imagine it bereft of color yeah um even though i'm sure again i'm uh you know it it outlines it in the book there wasn't an original intention to do um to do the film as black and white and in many ways because of the storyboarding approach it was intended to be sort of a silent movie um uh but but i think the color work on this extraordinary i think the editing by um uh george miller's wife uh, max maxel's uh sorry i've forgotten the name here um is just amazing the fight sequence the fight choreography between uh charlize Theron and, and uh oh, max and that oh. is just beautiful and it's edited so beautifully it's so um, good. it's so good yeah i i i think you know again i just um Mar- margaret sixel margaret sixel that's right yeah or um, six yeah
0: sixel i think that's how you say it
1: um uh Jacob or Hicksell. Sorry, Jacob. I just, I know him as Jacob. I'm blowing up the spot. Uh, what did this do for Charlize Theron's career afterwards? I mean, you have to remember she did have a pretty extraordinary career beforehand mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm, like she mm-hmm. had won the Oscar. Uh, full monster and it established herself and I think in many ways this kind of established her as an action star as well um, maybe and what the what, one of the great things is I think this established her as an action star onto her own um, so I, I don't know if Atomic Blonde did for her what John Wick did for Keanu Reeves um, but certainly Charlize Theron should be chasing franchises um, she's already got for, a couple she's uh, the
0: main villain or one of them and until she becomes a hero yeah. in Fast and Furious uh, yeah yeah
1: yeah uh the blade mentions that he actually mentions the scene that i actually (laughs) so again as a filmmaker there's a quality to the actual color grading of this film that is very much like what you do in adobe lightroom uh, when you really want to like, when you're posting to Instagram for the first time, there's like, it's just a, it's a huge, like color contrast kind of approach. And or that's when you stream that, for the uh, first
0: time and you want to set up your Philip yeah, Hugh lighting to be, yeah. Okay. I, I exactly
1: this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is the thing. Um, you know, and, uh, I think there's a quality of this film, which is like, um, it feels very much like an Adobe Photoshop film <laughs> in a weird yeah. way, but it's like so good. And it's like, why don't more, you know, like we have the technology? Why don't more of our movies look like this? I think, um, I think it might have been Patrick Willems or maybe another couple of video essays who did uh, an essay about the color grading in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how it loses uh, a lot of the saturation um, to nullify kind of its color quality. And you see it in the Zack Snyder universe as well. Um, you know, if you compare what for example, what Superman looked like at the end of Black Adam with the hues of his red, his red, yellow, and blue suit versus the way it looked like in um, the Justice League. Um, you know, uh, I think there's just a a sort of color quality of this film that's that's just extraordinary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think another uh, topic that came up is the toxic death cult of uh, of the Citadel. Um, I recall a review in Sight and Sound magazine about the Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, where sure. they talked about um, the there's a there's a quality to the way in which Frodo, the close up of Frodo's hand when he unfurls it to show us the ring for the first time, and how his fingernails were caked in dirt. Oh, I and um, I think there's a quality to this film which reminds me of that sentiment, which is that it is filled with people who are both real. Uh, covered in grime that the world filled fields lived in, uh, and caked with the extremities of of. Um, uh, mm the type of degradation that happens to yeah. that world. Um, another film that we've talked about on this podcast that certainly does this, I think is many years earlier is Alfonso Cuaron's Children of Men as well, which has that sort of like lived in feel to it where every corner feels like somebody has actually existed in that world. And I think um, as far as the toxic death cult of um, the Citadel and *Morton Joe's world, I think there's a really fair question here about what does, you know, like if we've got the Bullet Farm and Gas Town. What is a Morton Joe's deal? He's a like, farmer. Is it milk yeah. and lettuce? Is that kind That's of what milk he's got? And lettuce. That's milk what he and does. Milk and lettuce. That's he's, what he's a got farmer's going on? market. He's a farmer. Uh, <laughs> 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 he, he opens up on Sundays and he's like, "Do
0: not taste uh, water. <laughs> grass is correct. It is water. He has the water. That's his thing. But That's you can thing. get milk and lettuce <laughs> from water. So right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because because yeah, they call it guzzoline. And they're yeah. bringing guzzoline to the bullet. Far- yeah, they're trading it. That's right.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. and and in many ways, he also, I guess, uh, as far as he has women, um, I guess is maybe his. I other mean, he thing. has he has concubines, right? He has like, concubines, uh, but he also has like a breed. Like there's some. I, I don't know whether this is, um, you know, because. The, in the middle of the story, there is this thing about the 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 survival of the baby. You know, like that when uh, Splendid uh, is rolled over uh, and dies. You know, like his brother, uh, Immortan Joe's other son. You know, is like I had a baby brother, and he was perfect in every way. You know, like there was there's this thing about uh, the importance of that pregnancy, and is like and and Immortan Joe's kind of like that is my child, my property. Um, it is something to do with like procreation milk well I <laughs> as, think I as think... you say Immortan Joe is the farmer's market of this world right and I think it's because um the
0: the um all of Immortan Joe's sons the smaller <laughs> gentleman in the chair and the big dude mm-hmm. whose name is I believe uh who you just quoted rictus erectus, rictus um, erectus yeah uh th- like all of his um all of his uh, I guess uh heirs yeah. Are flawed in some way, hey. or 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 he would see them as that way, and I think he was trying to get like a a, a, a another heir down the
1: line. Um, well, Rictus Rictus did seem pretty virile, if you ask me. I don't know, he was like also
0: big... <laughs> a simpleton. He was a he was a, he was a, he was a, he was
1: a baby, like yeah. and and I think- I love I love. There's a shot of him when he's like looking over at the bristle, and he has this bottle of bristle, and he like takes it up. He's like, mm. yeah, <laughs> it's just like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the
0: for the audio listeners, I'm sorry. We both just did the face perfectly. There's also uh, the hilarious shot. I will say this. Then we should then we should move on of the hilarious. of the Immortan Joe mask when he's mad that uh, the splendid uh, Agrid dies and yeah. he shoots the Gatling gun, but like the jaw opens for the first time, <laughs> like it's just open when he screams, but it never moves when he talks. And I'm always like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. You like you're like. And like <laughs> <down>. <laughs> ah!
1: he's got like the same mask as uh as Ethan Hawke does in the black ma in the black phone Oh right? black it, foam, yeah. yeah. It changes also it changes shape.
0: Also, shout out to the Doof Warrior.
1: Doof Warrior. Out, Can't go past the Doof
0: Shout oh, out well, to okay. having the balls to have a rock and roll uh march like it's basically the equivalent of an, of an army drummer.
1: Like he's keeping yeah. beat for the chase. <laughs> it's so it's fucking I- good. I love that there's no real explanation to it. Apparently uh, Iota, the person who did, uh, who played that character kind of created a backstory for him where he's like, he was blinded and then kidnapped by uh, the, the people, by Morton Joe. And what he realizes very quickly is that his only value is to play music in order to hype people up. Um, so he continues to do it, even though, you know, like he is essentially a prisoner of the, um, uh, of the Citadel. And, um, i i, I th- th- just coming back to that point about um the mask and uh, you know like uh, siring ears is this thing that uh nux says which is that his mates barry and larry yeah uh the cancer you know the tumors on his neck and it seems that all the war boys despite the sort of um outward displays of masculinity are all diseased in some way and you sort of also see the kind of pestilence uh i guess part of the Joe's suit as well so there is maybe this sense in this world that 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 humanity is dying yeah, um, and maybe that leads it lends itself to being a death cult when, you know, when death is inevitable. Um, So everyone has kind of like accepted that the world, you know, Valhalla is essentially the only escape from this world. And therefore it is valuable uh, to sort of die in that, in that sense. And I think, I think again, the, to, to the credit of the movie, there's not a point at which that is explained to us. No, We're just kind of having to like, ascertain it and it's it's great because in in rewatch value it's it's details that like add to the experience
0: um i mean war boy at the end of its half-life right like that's the whole that's the whole thing
1: yeah i love Uh, barry and larry barry
0: and larry (laughs) um well shahir i think that covers mad max free road we can keep talking about it a little bit but i do want to uh real quick before we wrap this show up uh, mm-hmm. I want to sort of uh, ask if, if there's, if, if, if in this show's history, mm-hmm. are there any uh, favorites, least favorites, movies you think hold up? Like, what do you have any that like sort of like that you look back on fondly, other than Mad Max: Fury Road?
1: Uh, so I have I have three uh, that I really think about a lot. Um, one is. Uh, Barry Jenkins' film, Moonlight. And in many ways, um, the reason I wanted to bring it up is that there's this thing that happens when a film wins Best Picture. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, which is that when a film w- wins Best Picture, in many ways, the conversation about that movie mm-hmm. sort of comes to an end um, because it kind of cements its place in, in history. And Moonlight is... I, I would actually place it in terms of like the movies we've seen uh you know since we've been since we've been doing this show as one of those mo- like once in a lifetime movies that I would venture to guess in 20 years time when I revisit that film. Yeah. I will go that is one of the best films I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a sort of like it's a it's a strange thing for it to it's amazing that it won best picture but there's this sort of quality to when it wins best picture that it kind of like as I say kind of like stops the conversation about it. Sure. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, and that's, you know, like I would place that amongst the sort of pantheon uh, of uh, films like Mad Max Fury Road, where you go, that is an, that's an all timer. Um, You know, that's an all timer kind of movie. Um, The other one, (laughs) the, there's a couple of other films, but I I was going to say Into the Spider Verse. I I just think Ah. Into the Spider Verse is like, is just, the business you know like as far as again the the types of movies where we the venn diagram between you and i overlap uh into the spider is one sure. where i go this is this is so good at what it's doing there is you know like and and you know i i will i consider that again another all-timer um i like I, i've got a few other conversation uh topics as well but i you know recently tar i think tar is an all timer. sure wow um, okay and i think that yeah how about you
0: I mean, for, if you, we're talking about the individual films, not the episodes of this show, but the movies that yeah, we've sure. covered. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Honestly, uh, Logan. Logan's yep. one that I feel like Fantastic. will always come back to. Um, uh, Mother. We all know yep. how much I fucking love Mother. <laughs> uh, yep. It is phenomenal, and uh, it's funny. Uh, I actually got to tell, not in person, but through a video call, uh, Darren Aronofsky, how much I loved Mother. Oh, uh, really? During there's a thing on Nebula you can watch now where it's creators interview Darren Aronofsky about his about his book, and we all were talking like uh, he wrote a kids book called uh, Monster Club. Yeah. And um, I the question that made it into the cut is about like because in the book there's a game, and I was like, is the game like playable? Like, do we get to play this game? But I I opened my question, which did get cut out of the thing, with like I just want to say Mother's one of my absolute <laughs> favorite movies. So like I I got to tell Darren Aronofsky that. Isn't it Uh, funny
1: that that movie might be remembered as a documentation of his relationship with Jennifer Lawrence? I
0: don't care. (laughs) It's 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 so so great. Don't get me wrong. It's great. Um, Also, weirdly (laughs) enough, a movie that I think about all the time, but we never talk about again, The Platform.
1: Great movie. Great movie on Netflix.
0: On Netflix, I think still right now before they take it off because uh, they seem to be just removing good stuff. Uh, yeah. I- I- if you want, it's it's incredibly disturbing, but if you have not watched the platform and you can stomach it, um, it is incredibly powerful and will stick with you. Uh, uh, I'm thinking of ending things
1: is what mm-hmm. I think right about moving. literally yep. on a
0: weekly basis. And uh, honestly, the most recent is RRR. Okay, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow, that's all I got to <laughs> say about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say this. There's some episodes of this show that I hope people go and listen to. Yeah. Uh, And they're all kind of for different reasons. We have like specials, which are fun. Like we did all the first six Star Wars. We had good like um, we had good guests for those. I think the spotlight's a funny episode because we're just so
1: angry. And we we just talk about it so much. It was such an infliction point for us.
0: Uh, one of the best moments of this podcast entirely for me is when we got, we we reviewed the the Arnold Schwarzenegger film Jingle All the Way for the holidays Ooh. one year. <laughs> and then randomly, I don't I don't know how this happened. Did you get this? Did you make this happen yeah. or did he message it? Yeah. You knew.
1: We, uh, I messaged him.
0: Uh, Shahir knew or I knew how to get in contact with Randy Cornfield, uh, <laughs> who is the writer for Jingle All the Way. And our episode, our 138th episode is just an interview with the writer of, from Jingle of All the Way. <laughs> and
1: uh, it's it's that was my Christmas present to you that year. It I think. was
0: so it, <laughs> it blew my fucking mind. So yeah. I want people to listen to that episode. I really liked our Scott Pilgrim episode when you and friend of the show, Jess Tucker tore that movie to shreds. And I had to like, I felt like I was fighting under my weight class, but defending my family. Um, And it was just a very, very funny, uh, interesting conversation. Yeah. Uh, The, there was um, uh, obviously, uh, Sheer. You weren't here for, the, or no, you were here for this one. We were, yeah, were here for the Matrix conversation. Where were you, or was that just me and Patrick? I don't even remember. Uh, Matrix Resurrections?
1: No, I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Three so hour like, episode. I think it's, I think it's one of our highest rated episodes. What a fun episode! And Next then, to he, troll. <laughs> yeah, trolls two troll, troll, troll. troll, troll. world, world tour is our number one episode. Is our
0: number one episode. Can anyone by who listens mile to us as by as well. like? By it's insane. Can you pull up the number By thousands I, like, it's, upon it's thousands
1: nuts. upon thousands of downloads? I do not understand like it must have gotten <laughs> traction somewhere. I have no idea. There it is a is, Trolls World Tour fan I, fan base that maybe listens it's just to that episode. On loop in like a fallout
0: bunker or something. Like I have no idea. But the one I did want to yeah. mention, I have one more. Um, it's actually our third episode. And that is a pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence. And it's not that I think we we have uh, um, the most interesting take on that movie or that we said anything terribly profound. But it was the moment where outside of Fury Road, like Fury Road we could talk about literally for another two hours if we had to. um, It was the moment for me where this podcast clicked where I was like, oh, this is a movie that I would have never watched. And right. Shahir's gonna bring movies to this, just like I'm gonna bring movies to this, and I'm gonna find elements and new things and enjoyments from stuff like that I that I did not expect, and I would open my horizons more to other styles of cinema. Right, um Right. And that was to me the episode that like proved what we were doing works. We are two, I will hard air quotes industry professionals <laughs> that that um that loves cinema and talking about movies but i would say that we talk about movies a we talk about different movies we talk about them very differently and for whatever reason pigeon was one of those things where i was like oh no like this can come together well it doesn't right. have to be it doesn't have to be a thing where we both love the movie like fury road or one of us is fucking furious about it and the other one yeah. is like in love with it it's like it was like a weird cool balancing act of like showing me a film that I would not have seen otherwise. Uh, So that's, that's, that's actually a very, I think I've re-listened to that episode more Mm. than any
1: of our episodes. And you remember that there's a, there's a unique thing about that episode is it's the only one you and I went to see that movie in a theater. Uh, and I yeah. happened to know a lot of people that were at that theater. And I yep. happened to take my recorder uh, to that theater. Never and so again. we recorded a conversation like like one-off interviews with people outside the movie theater, which we've never done again, but I actually really liked that. Uh, yep. Maybe we should do that one more time. Maybe at I, some I think point. going to a screening of RRR and doing that would have been fun. Yeah. Um, the blade mentions uh, two things here uh, that our review of the before trilogy, which was really great, uh, where we, we had our partners there. One of the challenging an things about
0: yeah, we brought yeah, an interesting take to that, and we didn't. We were a, a, a two-sixth of that or one-third of that. If yeah, you and, uh, and
1: unfortunately, one. I guess it's it's public knowledge now, but one-third of those of the of the guests on that have now split, uh, which is you know, fine. Which is fine, yeah. yeah I just I, I want to bring people's personal lives into our into our show. Although that episode was about bringing our personal lives into into the uh, thing. That and was I think it's a I just, episode. I think it's just an interesting thing that's uh, that 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 happened there. Um, the blade also mentioned this thing, which is that it felt like you and I were at war <laughs> for five episodes in a row. In oh, a row, so I, which I'm about, sure is true. Yeah. We, we fight all the time. Fun we fact, occur. yeah, about
0: Shahir and I's uh, relationship. We don't communicate well. We yeah. communicate very differently. And yeah. there'll be spans where, again, <laughs> we'll be furious <laughs> at each other for, admittedly, on both sides, bullshit. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Bullshit. Uh, And way too long as well. Like it's like, then we'll be like, not necessitated. but
0: then, but then we'll be like, well, it's Wednesday. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about fucking, uh, uh, the bitch or whatever. Like, I don't remember the span,
1: but yes, if that bleeds through, I'm sorry. Slash you're welcome. No, no. But I, I, think, I think, you know, like it's part of, it's part of what makes the show what it is. Uh, but to that end, uh, one of my favorite episodes was actually in part a way for us to work out one of those differences, was our episode on separating art from the artist? Sure. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Do you remember that episode because mm-hmm. essentially and maybe we didn't Oh no, we did we did explain on the episode that why that episode had come about. Yep. But it really was we were trying to work out this long running argument we were having with each other about do of all things discussing a Steven Spielberg movie and why we should or shouldn't discuss a Steven Spielberg right. movie. And essentially the the fruits of that is that uh, is that the the episode that came out of that, which I thought was actually a pretty good episode, uh, uh, was separating art from the artist. Where we have yeah. to of that conversation again into the conversation about tar, which is really about that as well. Um, I really I really like those episodes where um, we take a niche topic, like our, our also uh, our episode on um, music and movies, where we really dive into like this niche area. All um, the specialty
0: stuff. Can Batman be black with um, be with black? Damian yeah. Lemon and Carolina Ravassa? Um yeah. Any of them with Izzy or Jess or Gira yeah. or yeah. SVP or any of the guests? Red, who's, uh you know around here, has been on a few. Yeah. Um, uh, it's so fun. I, okay, okay, okay. We're going to take us home here. Okay. Are there any episodes that you dislike? Like... You Dang. really don't like. If you could tell everyone here the episode they should not listen to,
1: fuck, that's a great question.
0: Uh, what's yours? Tell me. what I mean, I with. have a few. Um, yeah. Entourage, which is episode four. <laughs>
1: I don't know. Just disliking the episode. I, no, I, I, we have
0: nothing to say. We make dumb right, jokes. It's, right. There's no. And it's like half our fault, like we could have done better, but I think we just came off Pigeon. And I was like, I remember because it's such a high and such a low. And I was like, Ugh. Um, yeah, the perfection. And this is the weird thing. I haven't gone back and listened to the perfection again, which is episode 229. Right. But I have in my head that I hate that episode. And I can't okay. remember. And I can't remember why. Huh. And it's weird. I, it's like it's like when you like have a smell that makes you nauseous because you once had a stomach bug and it wasn't the thing that smells fault. Like, I have no idea why in my head I get like, a I don't like that episode. <laughs> uh, and then the last um, one, and the last one I'll say, yeah. uh, is episode 229, and I will never live this down. <laughs> that is jujitsu. Uh, I, I, I think that was a fine episode. I think it was a I, fun episode. I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> I asked enthusiastically I, I, to I'm, review I'm, I'm the glad film
1: Jiu-Jitsu. I'm glad we did that. Um, one that I think I was really excited for, but I just don't think actually worked out the way I was hoping it would work out was the episode that we recorded in uh, Spain, in uh, in Bilbao. Uh, we did an episode on the film Luric, and I was like, I was really excited on the idea like we would travel to a country and we would watch a movie from that country and we would have a conversation out in the street. And the thing is is you're too good at recording because what I was like hoping for was like an episode where we um are surrounded by the language. Right. Uh, because language is such a, you know, like I feel like it's such an important part of the of like the conversation around movies. And it just you were, a you were really good at recording. B it was outside and it was quiet for some reason. Well, it was nighttime. And It was just like we like what I wanted out of that episode was the sense that we were in a place. Sure, uh, we did you know, run into it, our production team.
0: Uh team. They interrupt That's us, right. I think, at one point. That was a funny Timothy episode.
1: Delegato, I think, uh oh, ran yeah. in the middle of that episode. That's yeah, yeah. So funny.
0: Yeah, I remember running around with the Zoom. We were doing the EMAs. She and I used to get to take fun European vacations. We for used to MTV. go to
1: Europe once every year on a work uh, trip.
0: But that has <laughs> that has since uh the we just don't get to do it. Now, anymore the, furthest, the, now the
1: furthest I travel to work is New Jersey. Oh, <laughs> with a scenic scenic New Jersey. I love New yeah. Jersey. Um, um all right. Yeah, we did. Def- uh, the The blade has kind of pointed out there are sometimes we definitely get into uh, long semantic battles, but you know, like I, I and, and as much as like when we're in it, we are at each like we are literally at each other's throats. Uh, you know, like it is it, it it it's not a it's not a bet. We're actually like we're at it. <laughs> I hope you can feel that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ah,
0: can you feel it?
1: Um. Uh. But but I always think you know like uh, okay, and, and now I'm going to get sappy now. Oh good. Um, Uh, I, I was I, I, I've been having, uh, uh, a professional relationship that has actually been, uh, not working out in the best Matt, you know what it is. Um, and I've been talking to a lot of people about like why that happens and, you know, like what to do in those situations and what have you. And, uh, one, someone said something to me that I, that I really took to heart. Uh, and it made me think about you, to be honest with you, uh, when they said that like every partnership goes, every partnerships go through, goes through ups and downs. It goes through where you are having problems. And and what this person said is the thing, despite, you know, you can have really serious problems, but what you have to, what makes a partnership work is that every now and again, you are reminded or reaffirmed as to why that partnership was begun in the first place. And there are times when we are at each other's throats. We have very different opinions about movies. We have different like, Outlooks on what makes a movie great and why we watch a movie. And that we, and like, like the blade said, we will be at like, it is not a bit. We are like literally there uh, to like, like get the other person. And, but, but then the podcast is a firm. And it is affirmed by the fact that we did four. We have done 400 episodes. That we do those special episodes. That we come back every time. And then there's like a there is a Mad Max Fury Road every couple of years that we like both agree on and click on. It's like Spider Man into the Spider Verse or Logan or Get Out or something like that. Where we actually like you know like it is affirmed. And I wanted to say I always you know like we 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 get into it. But that is you know like that's what family is. Family is you get into it. Yeah. Uh, And 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 you know it is affirmed all the time. No, I agree. Uh I wouldn't want to do this with,
0: with with anybody else. Uh this is such a it's funny. I how do I put this? And maybe it's cuz we do this weekly. Um mm. that I, I, people assume that I always want to talk about movies <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and I I I do to a point. But like every time I do with another person, it becomes a thing where I'm like I, I start thinking like <laughs> this is this is my this is my uh admittance here because of how long we've been doing this. I start thinking like the both of us. Mm. And I start doing like I can never have a. I feel like I have. A, I'm limited in my salient arguments outside of this podcasting format because I'll say one thing that I believe, and then I'll be like, actually, I think she, I'm like I th- do this internally. I'll be like, no wait, Shahir would say this, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of a good point, and I'd say the other thing. And I've had people catch me before where they're like, yeah. but you just said this thing, and I'm like, yeah, I you know I haven't made up my mind yet. So like that that is my that is my um admittance and my and my I think proof that I think this is really important uh, to me and to just sort of the process of my week and how I live my life is talking movies with you so I really appreciate doing this for 400 weeks Um, (laughs) all of which I've missed one (laughs) do you get
1: annoyed with me pointing out spelling mistakes by the way
0: yeah, but but it's yeah. because here's how she. Because I'm about to do out. one right now. On the, on oh, favorite? I'm about to do one. No, I like favorite. Here, hold on. I'm gonna make it better. I'm gonna make it better. Hey. Oh, that, that is that is the nature um, of our relationship. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> hey everybody, this has <laughs> been the 400th episode of the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Mad Max: Fury Road. Shahir. When you are not getting all sappy with me here on Twitch in front of all these fine folks, where can folks find you? Uh,
1: you can find me at my website, www.shahirdaud.com. That's H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. You can also find me at my Twitter handle, which is up on the screen if you are listening to this live. Um, Matt, I'm going to blow your mind right now, which is that uh, OMV Stephen, who I think is, is someone we know, yes, uh, has just said that they wrote a couple of IMDb film synopses. And so they might be Mr. and Mr. F- Mrs. film, uh, M- Mr. and Mrs. IMDB, uh, which would blow your mind when you are not having your mind blown by the fact that the IMDB has joined our live stream. Where can people find you?
0: You can find me asking uh, OVM Steven after the show, which two of the things he wrote that we've talked about over at my website, dot com, My life and works also Skeletor, the number four P R E Z on Instagram or, Uh, Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we do over at Extra Credits. Not only do we stream. Hi, everyone. um, uh, Our streaming overlord, Will, does a really good job. We do a bunch of talk shows. It's very, very fun. But also, uh, I believe by the time this drops, we will have completed our Easter Rising series over on the YouTube channel. Uh, And, oh, side note, uh, we did an episode um, that just released, I think, yesterday uh, called uh, Can Tetris Treat Trauma? And uh, I was very, very proud of that one. Uh, please, if you haven't watched that, check that out. It brings up some interesting questions. Uh, it doesn't sort of trivialize it in a way that a lot of uh, uh, ways I've, see, I've, I've heard it discussed Ken in the past. I, I, we tried to be very sort of fair and, and, and minded about it. It's just it's not like a fix. Believe me, it's not. That's not how trauma works. But uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed where that episode ended up. So please go check that out because there's some interesting things going on there. Um, cool.
1: Anyway, next week. That's right, Zoe. We're going back to the beginning, like Kunk Fury was our a second episode, so we're just no. going to repeat. Like no. we're now going to the next four hundred no. episodes. Who are basically. We? Sam Regal? No, first no,
0: <laughs> no. Next week will. Uh, is is next week Black Panther? No,
1: no. Is it? No, it's not Black Panther, right? Uh Chad, help us out.
0: I don't. I don't yeah. actually know. Um, again, but this is a tradition. This is it, this wouldn't be an episode of the only podcast about movies if we didn't announce next week. There's a movie that we don't know what we're doing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, yeah, so it won't Black be... Panther is is November 11th, which means in the cycle of our show, uh, we would have to have seen it. It'd be two before... weeks. Two yeah, weeks it'll be two now. weeks from now. All right. Um, so we will find something else to do. Maybe let's do Tar again. I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, let, sure. no. Wait, 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 wait. wait we it's blonde we're doing blonde oh that's right. <laughs> we're like, doing blonde i blacked every out every week we're doing blonde uh, no yeah, every uh, week Well, uh william cat uh waycat who i believe is his name uh decision to leave the new pak chan wok film is out oh well, yeah uh, yep. movie so i think we should do yeah give the we will and
0: we will give the vfx artists time to finish it uh there's <laughs> no question also uh a we did watch bell Yeah, I forget. That's recent. That's one of the back, uh, like the last few, last at least in the last ten.
1: Yeah, there's been a a real run. There's been a real run where we have not been up to speed about like picking things. Matt has started a spreadsheet that that we will hopefully adhere to, and that. And I'll be honest with you, it is because we are supremely busy with it yeah. with both our professional lives at this moment uh this is it's actually very difficult for us to make time to do the podcast as well yeah um um but we will you know it's it's in the it's in the schedule all the yeah. time uh all is quiet on the
0: western fronts are good but also weird out al, the uh weird the al yank oh yeah is something the, i'm
1: very very excited for i would
0: love to talk about that and that's
1: coming out on peacock that's or on roku TV? on Roku. It's a Roku original.
0: I don't know how to get Roku without a Roku. I know you can.
1: I don't have a Roku. Yeah, like I, I don't do know. That's uh, going to be a hard
0: one to do. Anyway, we will yeah. uh we will talk at you at next week. Please protect your ears until then so that we may whisper sweet cinematic nothings back at them. Thank you for joining us for this uh Mad Max Fury Road and Episode 400 retrospective.
1: And uh Shahir say goodbye to the people thanks everyone appreciate you for joining a twitch stream i am not uh an expert on this matt is uh he does this for a living uh for extra credits so uh um, i'm amazed that there are people there i like there are words appearing on my screen and i don't know what they mean and why people are uh, typing these things are the files <laughs> in the computer are the files in the computer <laughs> oh dear bye everybody good night everyone thank you so much for joining us